0: Back here on Weekend Joe, driven by Munginass St. Louis Acura, Munginass Alton Toyota here on KlabesOnline.com. About two weeks away before... Uh, heading down to Florida for the uh, the final few weeks of spring training. And of course, the World Baseball Classic. So I had to have on a guy that I have been following on Twitter now for the last uh, several months. A guy that has kind of made his name around baseball. I think the media circles for uh, his love of the World Baseball Classic. He is Sean Sprawling and he joins us now. Sean, what's going on, man?
1: How's it going? Yeah, I uh, it has been a crazy last couple months. I will tell you, I didn't even post anything on social media hardly at all until last summer and it's been daily w stuff (laughs) it's been crazy
0: what i i guess what uh kind of background do you have in any of this if any when it comes to uh, the media side of things
1: yeah with the media side of things my resume like i started last summer and I just liked the WBC. And then I just started posting and reporting things there. <laughs> I don't have any like journalism background or, or any reporting experience really. Um, just grew up loving baseball. I uh, I do have like a, a sports management degree uh, undergrad. But other than that, I mean, I, I just saw a void. I felt like in the World Baseball Classic coverage, and I wanted to fill that.
0: And now that it's leading up to it, I, you know, I remember being in college when the first one went on and I remember watching it yeah I, re- I remember watching the games there and I remember vaguely Team USA winning the last time they they had the WBC but it feels like maybe it's a major league baseball thing maybe it's the players involved. It feels like there is a special uh, uh, there's a special feeling around this one. It feels like players are really hyped to actually do this this time around.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would completely agree. This one, this 2023 WBC is significantly more hyped than the last one. Uh, I'd I'd argue it's still not quite where MLB and baseball wants it to be if we want it to be like a truly a baseball World Cup. But compared to previous WBCs, I mean, we have at least on the offensive side of the ball, you have all of the best of us playing. Like you got Mike Trout's and the Mookie Betts and Aaron Otto and Goldschmidt, you have all of the guys that you would want to play in the WBC playing. So on, I think there's buy-in both from the players and the fans uh, this time around.
0: And yeah, that's and that's going to make it, I think, a lot more enjoyable. Is it because? I mean, what's? Do you think it's just because they're younger players? Do you think it's been because it's been so long and a lot of these guys didn't get a chance the first time around? What what do you? I guess as you've read everything, I mean you've read whenever players <laughs> announce that they're playing, you've done more of the research on it. What do you? Is there a trend that you're seeing? Yeah, I
1: think there's a couple of things uh, as to why this GBC is so different from the previous ones. I think for one, in 2017, Team USA won. They it, it was a big deal for a lot of those American players um, to see that, oh, this is something that first of all, we can win, we can compete and we can really enjoy this and have a blast doing it. Um, We get to also represent our country. Um, And you had guys like Goldschmidt and Arenado and um, a lot like Yelich was a big player back in 2017 that played on the team that speak very, very highly of playing WB. So when you hear Mike Trout, who is the biggest name that is playing in this 20, this WBC, other than, I guess, Otani, um, Trout decided, hey, I'm going to play this year. I didn't get to play in 2017. If you listen to him in interviews, he talks about like how, at the time, he thought that was the decision for his career, just to, to focus on spring training. He had had injuries previously, so he just thought it would be best to to sit it out. If you hear afterwards, he actually does regret not playing in 2017. He loved watching it and wishes he was out on the field. Like he said himself, like, I wish I was on that team. So he finally gets a chance to play. And on the player side, if you play, if you want to play for Team USA and you see Mike Trout's playing, you're you're all in. You're like, oh, I want to play with that guy. I want to play with Mookie. I want to play with Bryce Harper had previously commit. Or if on the fans side, MLB fans are like, well... You have Trout playing. You have Shohei Ohtani playing. So you got all of the, these stars. It's going to only make your winter shorter. So it's baseball, very competitive baseball that we're going to be able to see way earlier than than normal. I think that's the first big thing. The second big thing is I think as time goes on, international just as a concept for American fans, I think is starting to become uh, more common and more accepted. Um, I don't think that it was necessarily unaccepted in the past for the normal MLB fan, but it was almost just like a foreign concept that like there was a baseball other places that was, I guess, worth the time of watching. We already have 162 games in MLB to watch plus uh, playoffs. So I think now that this is the fifth edition of the WBC, we're seeing a lot more fans kind of jump on the bandwagon, or at least be more comfortable with the idea of international baseball.
0: And you know, just looking at—I was looking the other day at tickets for the semifinals and the finals down in Miami, and it's—I mean, there there are going to be seats filled in Marlins in uh, Iloan Park that have never been filled before.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, it's going to be something we haven't seen in that stadium in a long time in every game. <laughs>
0: so as you look here um, you know I, I saw so I got in on uh, on Japan when they were plus 500 to uh, to win it all I, I went all in on Otani even though uh, there, there's a lot of cardinals on the uh, on team USA um who who is your favorite right now who is your I guess top four that we will see in the semifinals
1: yeah so for if we look at the semifinals and you can look at I mean I, I would say the two Sources that most people go to see like who they would put predict to make it that far are like betting odds as well as power rankings. Um, I think the top three are pretty set in whatever rankings you see, whether it's betting odds or just like power rankings. It's USA, Dominican, Republic, and Japan. And I think they have that right. It, that is one tier in itself. Like that right there. I don't see there much being much of a differentiator between those three. I could easily see e- any of those teams winning it uh, the fourth team that's kind of where it gets a little tricky because it could be any of probably four or four or five teams honestly you got Venezuela who I think this is their strongest team that they've ever had Puerto Rico is always very strong in these in these international uh, competitions but they're both in the same pool so one of them is not even gonna make it out of the first round And then you've got Mexico, who I think is also, this is their strongest team they've ever had in the WBC. Um, I would say that they're just slightly behind Venezuela and Puerto Rico. They're also competitive. And then Korea, who is probably that same tier for me, they're on the other side of the bracket without any of those teams I just mentioned, except for Japan. So I could see a, a way for them to make it to the quarterfinals as well
0: yeah as I saw today uh as we re- we sit here and record this on Tuesday night I saw that team Puerto Rico is going to um that they are going to all dye their hair blonde uh they're all going platinum blonde in a uh it's to show solidarity in uh <laughs> for, for, for that so
1: they are yeah. in 2017 they did the same thing the same thing they did team Rubio which means blonde in Spanish they uh all bleached their hair and they're running it back they're doing it again <laughs>
0: Who? uh, So, I mean, in years past, if you look back and, you know, you do your research on on years past, there have been players for teams. I I know mostly it seems like it happens a lot either between the Japanese team or maybe Cuba, where you get players that we've never heard of before that show up and become household names and maybe eventually make the jump to Major League Baseball. Do you have anybody to look for on any of these teams that uh, that might be? The next one, the next, I guess, would it be, I guess, would Dice K would be, would he be a good example of that?
1: That's a, honestly a very good comp because back in 2006 and 2009, he won the WBC MVP, both editions. So he was the name coming over to MLB right after that. Um, and I think you, you hit the nail on the head with the right, those teams, you got Team Japan and Team Cuba. Those are normal names that we see. Some of those players coming from that we wouldn't, uh, that we just don't know about unless you really follow Cuban baseball or you follow Japanese baseball. I would say the the Daisuke Matsuzaka equivalent for next year, because um, he's going to be posting after the 2023 season, is Japan's ace, uh, Yoshino Yamamoto. So he has been the best pitcher in Japan for the last two, three, four seasons. The last two seasons, actually, three seasons. Let me see. Yeah, it's either two or three seasons. He's won not only the Cy Young equivalent in Japan back-to-back. He's won the MVP, I believe, back-to-back and the pitching triple crown in back-to-back seasons. He has an ERA sub-two for the last two or three seasons. Hasn't had a single season, I don't believe, since his rookie season above three. Um, he is lights out. He's putting up numbers that they have rarely ever seen in Japan. They're saying that he is probably just from a purely pitching perspective, the best pitcher on Team Japan. And that is saying a lot considering both Ayotani and Yu Darvish are on that team. So I believe he's 24 right now. He'll be coming over after this uh, this baseball season. So he, as well as Guy, we can also mention on Korea, they'll be kind of the headliners coming into next MLB season.
0: So uh, as we... As we sit here now a, uh, a few weeks away, um, we, we saw earlier today Seiyu Suzuki. He dropped out of uh, of that, probably hurting Japan a little bit. But one thing I've really liked this year, and I, I think it's, you know, we're, we're seeing it more, I would say, at a Cardinals camp than anywhere else. And that's, you know, Cardinals have 19 guys on, uh, on <laughs> rosters for, for the WBC. Are some of the... I don't, I don't know a good way to say some of the jumps or some of the countries that some of the guys are playing for that you would not have expected. I mean, we get it. I I think we get it a lot of time with Israel or Italy. I I think you see that happen with those teams, but Lars Newt playing for team Japan and Tommy Edmund playing for Korea. I, I mean, that's just, it's a lot of fun just to see those guys going back in their heritage to find this. And the fact that these countries want them in this too is it says a lot about some of the countries and how much they want to win
1: yeah i would argue that, that lars newt bar news when it was first announced was probably the most unexpected news of any player in the wbc if not just this year maybe maybe past wbcs as well because i mean you look at the name and you do not at all think Jap- Japanese. So he is from both Dutch and Japanese descent, um, but his mom was born in Pan. So whereas you, you have guys that play on the Italian team or uh, maybe like the British team, or like you said, the Israeli team, that are a couple of generations removed from that country, for him, it's actually like, he is one generation removed. His, his mom is from Japan. So he really is eligible for citizenship there, which is ultimately what it comes back to. If you're eligible for citizenship in that country, then you can play for their national team in the WBC. So that was really surprising as well as the Tommy Edmund one. But I think it, it was surprising for both US and Japanese fans because, they, I mean, NP is the best league in the world. So a lot of Japanese fans at first were a little bit hesitant. They were like, well, we have our own Star outfielders. We've never had an American player on this national team for Samurai Japan. Do we really need him? But the the manager, manager Kuriyama, as well as uh, a lot of the like reporters and a lot of the players on the team were all backed him, and they were all very excited for Newbar to come on board. Um, I think it was Ipe Shohei Otani's translator that like initially reached out to him, and asked him to play. So clearly they want him on the team, and I think now that he's on the team, all of the Japanese fans are bought in.
0: And I, I, one of the, one, a really nice story too, out of it, Tommy Edmund playing for Korea, his translator will be Eugene Koo, who was a former Korean translator for, uh, uh, I think it was Wan Oh, when he played for the uh, for the Cardinals a few years ago. Yeah. So they are, that's uh, super re- cool. Yeah, they're reusing translators <laughs> in yeah. all of this. <laughs> Have you looked at... He-
1: I think Ipe is going to be – so he's normally Shohei Otani's translator from Japanese to English for him. But now it's going to be the other way around. In Japan, he's going to be Lars Nubar's translator for the Japanese media.
0: (laughs) Do you see – I mean, do you see a chance of a guy like a Lars Nubar learning – from a Shohei Otani or uh, do you think like these players are going to benefit in the first few months of the season from being in different camps and being around different players? Is that, is that something you could see when you, when you look and you read about how much fun these guys are having leading into this? Oh, I can
1: imagine. I mean, I feel like it's hard to not just soak up all of this knowledge just from being in the same like clubhouse with Shohei Otani or Mike Trout um, any of these like top top tier guys that are just legends in our game. So I mean, if you listen to Newt bar talk about it, he hasn't met Otani yet, but that's like one of his the the things he's most excited about in this tournament is just being able to be around him and learn from that baseball mind
0: as um as you've gone through this, you have made uh, if people go and they if they go and find you on Twitter at um if you go to Sean underscore sprawling on on Twitter, and you look at the work that you have put in. To uh, to some of this with the lineups and with the graphics that you have uh, that you've done, who is one guy right now that you look at and you you know when you look at a lineup and when you put a lineup together, is there one player that is sitting out the World Baseball Classic that that just really eats at you that you just wish that we were getting to see him with his team and placed in a lineup?
1: Oh, that's a good question. I think
0: it's easier to.
1: So on the pitching side of things, and that is where it all comes down to for the WBC, I feel like there's a lot of guys missing out uh, for one reason or another. If they just don't want to play, if they want to focus on spring training or in like Clayton Kershaw's uh, situation, like he couldn't get insurance past like his coverage for the WBC. It's a bunch of reasons why. Um, There's a lot of pitchers to name. On the offensive side, honestly, it's a bit harder because most of those guys are playing. The big names that aren't are... Aaron Judge, he's he's the one guy for Team US that's not, um, and he basically just mentioned I had a heck of a year last year. I'm tired. <laughs> I need to focus on being the new captain for the Yankees. So that's kind of his reason. Uh, he gets he can make that decision if he wants. With I would say the other two guys that stick out are Alejandro Kirk, who was supposed to be in the center of that Team Mexico lineup and be probably their best in a very underrated team. I would say. He is not going to be able to play. He, his baby is due in like a week, which is like right before the tournament. And he hasn't had any to be in Blue Jays camp yet. So they kind of made a mutual decision between him and the team that he wasn't going to play. And then the only last player I would say is Carlos Correa. That is a big loss for Puerto Rico because I see their team as being pretty competitive, but pretty top heavy. It, it most like Francisco Lindor and Carlos Correa. And then there's a pretty significant drop off from like the top tier star player to like pretty reliable players in MLB. But without him, and it was also for the same reason, actually, he's having his second baby. Um, it's pretty much just Lindor in that lineup that's going to be carrying them. So.
0: Yeah. You know you, all these times you know you you get the uh th- these guys think they plan it out so well to have the kid during spring training to to miss out on on some of that stuff and in the end yeah. it's going to cost them even though they they timed it perfectly on uh <laughs> on their end, the uh one, I mean this Dominican team every year I mean you you go back and you look at that 2017 lineup or you look at the other lineups the, the, some of the lineups that they have put together in years past have been just absolutely insane. I mean the World Series MVP is batting eighth for them pro- pro- probably this year in, uh, in Jeremy Pena, but they never have pitching. What is it about these uh, this Dominican uh, Republic that that they just they never have pitching on their side?
1: Well, th- that's that's the thing, honestly. So we've had a couple of guys have to withdraw uh, from playing for uh, the Dominican team. I'll, I'll give their names in a little bit, but this is th- they've never had top tier pitching. Like they've always been one of the best offenses, one of the best lineups in the WBC of any country that even like almost measuring up to the u.s lineup um in this case in this year there's a key made that they could be like just neck and neck um but pitching has always been lagging i would say this year and this is what i was really excited for with this team and why i think they're right up there with the u.s is this pitching is actually pretty pretty solid um this is the best pitching that they've ever had in the wbc they have cy young nl cy young winner sandy alcantara Mm -hmm. They have Christian Javier, who just threw a no hitter in the in the World Series, is one of the like dark horses that like people like to make hot takes that he might win the Cy Young this next year. Um, and then you got uh, like Johnny Cueto or uh, Rowanzi Contreras, who's really young for the the Pirates. And then they got a bunch of bullpen arms like Brian Abreu, um, like Rafael Montero, a lot of Astros, Hector Neris. So um, this is definitely their best pitching they've ever had, even with losing out on Framber Valdez and uh Luis Dio, Luis Severino and Freddie Peralta. So yeah.
0: what is uh pool play will start up here in about a week. Give me a uh, a game in pool play that you are really looking forward to a matchup in pool play that you cannot wait to see.
1: I cannot wait to see USA versus Mexico because if if you follow international sports at all Specifically, soccer. You know the heated rivalry there is between the U.S. and Mexican teams. And so, if you like, when we look back at the 2013 WBC, um, if you talk to like players and coaches from that game, they played each other um, in 2013. It was like 75% Mexican fans, even though they played in, I believe, L.A. Uh, they been in Phoenix, um, but even in the U.S., it was still a majority Mexican fans. So it's going to be electric. It's going to be Phoenix, um, get a half from now. Um, so that's going to be like probably my most anticipated game in that pool. Um, then you go to like pool D, any of those are going to be, but I'm really excited for Puerto Rico and Dominican Republic, as well as Venezuela and Dominican Republic.
0: Are you, uh, are you going to make it to any of the games? Uh, you, you, have you, have you done enough with all of your research and everything to get invited to, uh, to go to any of these in Phoenix or Miami? I'm trying to
1: iron out the details as we speak, honestly. Uh, tonight, I'm hopefully trying to finalize some things. As of right now, it's looking like I'm going to be there and hopefully I can make it to both pools. Um, hopefully earlier in Phoenix and later than tournament in, in Miami.
0: Awesome, man. Uh, I got to say, I've been watching, I have shared many of your lineups with, uh, with friends and colleagues that you have posted anytime there are roster updates. And I, uh, I I appreciate the hard work you have done and the, uh, the excitement that I have had leading up to it. I, I think you have added to that with everything that you've done these past few months.
1: Thank you. I honestly, that's really encouraging. And I really appreciate that because I, I mean, like I mentioned, I saw a void in WBC coverage. I saw that no one was talking about it and there there was no roster news at all until they were finally released less than a month ago. So I, I wanted to make it just more, um, just easier to digest and like v- more visible. I like visual content. And so that's why I made those graphics and hopefully they've helped create more of a conversation and a stir around the WBC.
0: Well, uh, hopefully you and I cross paths then in Miami, Sean, appreciate it all. Keep up the great work and we'll keep following you and all of your uh, content on Twitter. Thank, uh, thank you very much.
1: Thank you so much. This is a blast.